and welcome back to Film Festival Reviews. This is Christina Kotlar. I'm your host this evening, and from the very beginning, I've had some great conversations with film festival people, the organizers, festival directors, artistic directors, and programmers, filmmakers, first-timers, and returning veterans, and independent film industry people who... Although their conversations may not have gone on the air yet, uh, they will be. And independent film industry people. Not to forget to mention people who come out to experience the film festival du jour. So right now I'm going to add a new segment to this podcast. Since there's a high-profile North American film festival coming up, yep, this one's a biggie. The Toronto International Film Festival that's going on from Thursday, September 7th through Sunday the 16th. That's 10 days in Toronto, Canada. A lot can be done in 10 days and this year marks the 31st anniversary. That's a long time. Their homepage encourages one to see films, meet the filmmakers, and live the Toronto International Film Festival experience. Okay, so if you've never done this festival or if you've never been to a festival before, then how do you go about it? So that's what we'll get into. How to festival. Map it out and plan a strategy for what you want to get out of this festival experience. Think of it as a fine dining experience. You've heard about it from friends or through the media. Maybe you check their website where the high-end places show their menus and throw in a blue plate special here and there. And then you make reservations, show up, and voila, a fine dining experience. Yeah, well, what about the wine list, the appetizer, entree, and dessert? Do you find that you want to be at a certain table or in a room where you see other people really enjoying themselves? In the next few weeks, which is all we have before the festival begins, we'll map out a plan to festival this baby. And toward the end of the month, I have an industry person scheduled to tell it like it is and what he looks for in film. What makes it good enough to get distributed into the theaters. Also, any insiders know-how out there, send me an email. Good experience and bad. Uh, let us know your secrets and... Uh, We'll add this to our list. It's all going to be on our website. Anything and everything I find out. So check it out at filmfestivalreviews.com. And if you get a chance to peruse over my website devoted to film festivals, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what you're thinking. I want to know. Okay. Today's show is all about movies. Home movies because this Saturday... August 12th is Home Movie Day. I wrote an article about it last fall in the Film Festival Reporter newspaper, and uh, I'll put the entire article online, but um, I missed it last year. You know, the last line said, come out August 12th, 2006. So, Home Movie Day was started in 2002 by a group of film archivists concerned about what would happen to all the home movies shot on film during the 20th century. They knew many people have boxes full of family memories that they'd never seen, either because they didn't have a projector or didn't know how to run a projector or they were afraid the films were a little too fragile. So uh, these people founded 
a whole movie day and really wanted it to be a celebration for these amateur films where people in cities and towns all over the world could uh, get to meet the local film archivists, find out about long-term benefits of film versus video and digital media, and most importantly, get those films out there so people can see them. Uh, these are all local events and uh, home movie day screenings can, because these are local events, home movie day screenings can focus on family and community histories in a meaningful way. These events are also meant to be educational and outreach opportunities for the local archivists who can share their information about proper storage and care for personal films and how to make plans for their future. What are you going to do with them? Do you want to store them? Do you want to donate them? Um, something to look into. The first home movie day took place on August 16th, 2003 and apparently was very successful because it's become a worldwide event. This is the fourth year. It's set for Saturday, August 12th. Check out www.homemovieday.com for a list of local venues. As for me, I showed up at the Anthology Film Archives in New York City with some of my own home movies. Enjoy the show. Here we are in the office of Andrew Lampert at the Anthology Film Archives. And I came down here because I just found out that this Saturday is Home Movie Day. Right, right, right. Last year I wrote an article about it in the Film Festival Reporter. Right. And the last sentence was August 12, 2006. <laughs> And I almost and missed it. Here we it. are. Here yeah. we are. Here we are. You know, that was. So tell me about it. Tell me. Uh, well, this is the fourth annual Home Movie Day, and it's an international event at this point, with events happening in um, more than 50 cities all over the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Europe, and there are actually five venues this year in Japan alone. Uh, so every Home Movie Day event, you know, is organized by a different group of people in whatever city they do it, and they're all done a little bit differently. The anthology, we do it very straightforward in that we invite the public to come. Uh, they bring their own reels of film, whether it's 16 millimeter, 8 millimeter, or super 8 millimeter. They show up at anthology, and in our lobby, we have a group of trained archivists and uh, technicians who work in you know film restoration labs. And people give their films to them. The films are inspected to make sure that they are indeed projectionable, that they have a you know, proper leader on them, that the sprocket holes aren't broken. And if there are problems, they do their best to repair the films to make them projectionable. Then people go into the theater. And in the theater, we project um, the 8 and the Super 8. The 16 millimeters projected as it normally would be from our projection booth. And um, I project, and so for about five hours, we watch each other's home movies and um, we, we discuss them and we talk about them and we prod people to say, like, hey, who's that? Or, um, you know, uh, where did you get this? Because some people don't even, they have home movies, they're reels. It's not like a VHS or a DVD where you can just watch it. They don't know what the films are. So one of the great parts of home movie day is the element of surprise, not just for us as viewers, but for the owner of the reel to see perhaps for the first time, the images that are captured on it. Well, I brought my home movies for you to take a look at because here they are. This is a 
Danish cookie can. <laughs> and I was asking my father, because he took a lot of movies, and oh, wow. he gave them out to one of those companies that puts it on mm -hmm. a VHS tape. So right. they did that, but they did it all backwards. So then I took it, because I did some little video editing on the side, and I put it in order and everything, so I have that on a VHS tape. Wow. But these are the originals. So that's what I said, don't bring the VHS tapes, don't well, bring one the, of the video things, tapes. We want, we want to promote this as an event where uh, sort of a consciousness raising event where a lot of people have home movies. It's very much a situation like yours where maybe you weren't the person shooting the home movies, but it was um, your parents or, or grandparents or their, you know, just reels that are inherited in, in shoe boxes or cookie tins and people don't know what to do with them. Very often, rather than, you know, going to a more, uh, let's say, top line company who would make the transfers, make very high quality transfers, people take them to the drugstore, to the, the, you know, the corner shop. People think that that VHS or that DVD is all you need. And what has been the case for so many years is people just throw out their films afterwards. They think, well, I have it on a VHS. Well, if a VHS tape breaks, what are you going to do? If your DVD scratches and it can't be played, you have to have the film. So one of the major um, points in Home Movie Day is to tell the audience, hold on to your films. You don't need to project them every day. This is a very special event where trained people are showing you your films on you know, good, clean, uh, working equipment. But hold on to the films and put them somewhere cool and dry, put them in a closet, put them under a bed, don't put them next to the radiator or on top of the microwave. And, and a lot of the emphasis of Home Movie Day is to sort of outreach and educate people on how to take care of their own home movies because you can't find those anywhere else. I mean, they're documentation of you, know, you, your family, your personal history, and a VHS cassette is not going to last as long as a properly stored home movie. Well, I know on the website that uh, there's a quote from Martin Scorsese. Right. And there was a quote from uh, John... John Waters. John Waters. Yeah. Yes, about the home movies. Now, well, John both Waters... those guys started out making films on 8mm formats. And so, you know, they, they, as much as anybody, realized that this was this is a very fertile sort of ground, breeding ground for, uh, you know, young filmmakers as well as amateur. Absolutely. Um, Martin Scorsese was down at Silver Docks this year. Mm. He was honored with the Guggenheim Award for mm. uh, documentaries and he showed his documentary about the Italian family and oh, it was yeah. his family and yeah, it was yeah, so funny. The Italian American. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. And the way that it also it integrates home movies into it. I mean, you know, and then you look at something like, um, although it's on a much different scale from a few years ago, that documentary Capturing the Freedmans, it uses Super 8 and home videos as well, which is a whole nother, you know, game to tell the story. And that's the thing is that um, not just, not just, you know, when crafted into a documentary, but home movies tell stories. Definitely. He also mentioned in his quote about the Zabruder film. Now, a lot of people don't even know what the Zabruder film is. And it was such a historic thing, because I remember in some of the history classes, they would, they would always show this, like right. social political history, that right. this film actually the captured... The most famous home movie ever. Yeah, you know? captured uh, Kennedy's assassination. Right, exactly. This has been, has been undertaken as a Pruder film, you know, frame-by-frame frame analysis, to, you know, for whatever purpose. Uh, it is the most seen, it's the most studied home movie of all time. In fact, you know, I think it's on the National Registry of um, Preserved Films because of its importance. I mean, 
it is as important as, um, let's say, Citizen Kane or, 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 you know, the famous films, if not for, you know, it's capturing uh, a piece of history through an amateur lens, which uh, had an impact on the world. And I think that goes to prove that uh, it doesn't have to be you know, Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind or something to have an emotional or physical or mental, uh, you know, impact on the viewer. It can be uh, a shaky handheld, you know, home movie that was shot by somebody who uh, isn't a master cinematographer. So you think that some of these home movies could really have some impact on the Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they can and I think they do. And I think that the more people look at them, the more they're going to realize that the history, you know, the 20th century was captured on film. It's the first time that we have uh, a very, uh, you know, both sound and image uh, documentation of what happened and how it happened. Um, and we're losing a lot of that. Oh, we're losing a lot of it. We lose it all every day. I mean, that's why, I mean, for instance, anthology, we're so engaged with film preservation is to try to maintain these images and keep them around and to conserve uh, this history. But when you go back and you're looking at, um, you know, the same the news coverage, whatnot, it's all very mediated. It's all very edited. It's all, uh, you know, part of a rhetoric. It's all part of sort of a particular focus. I mean, if you, for instance, were to look at the history of the 20th century, the 20. In the 2000s, by looking at just Fox News Channel, for instance, you see how warped it is. And I think in home movies, uh, you get this sort of very unfiltered, you know, look at not necessarily Eisenhower or Churchill, but you know, British people living in uh, London during the Blitzkriegs, or um, you know, American soldiers in Berlin, you know, during the construction of the Wall. I mean, these these are real histories, and more and more. For instance, when you watch a documentary on like the History Channel or A&E, they want that footage. They want to get that footage as stock footage, as real footage. Yeah, well, my home movies are basically on us growing up. My father had gotten this camera. I always remember him taking the camera and using it for every holiday right. and get-togethers. And I see my grandfather, and I, and I see us growing up, and it's always you know, planned almost because we had to go out the door one after the other. But then after my uh, sister and I got a little bit older, then he handed us the camera, so he oh, got cool. to be on the film a little bit, and that was very shaky. Yeah, yeah. But it's very, very interesting seeing the, the vintage cars. It's the same, you know, what changes are the cars, the hairstyles, you know, the pants, the clothes. You can't recreate something, especially for like a you know, B-roll shot kind of thing, which just cut in, you know. You can't uh, recreate that, and the cost of doing so is crazy. But I mean, if you want, uh, let's say, a busy street corner with a '55, you know, Chevy rolling by, how many home movies out there have that? I mean, thousands of them have to have that. Uh, it's it. I just feel that when you watch home movies, I could be watching a family from the 1960s, from the 50s, from the 70s. We haven't changed that much. You know, the circumstances that we live in have changed, but. Familial relations as seen in home movies, um, they remain the same. What's interesting is you talk about uh, in your home movies how they're very structured in a certain sense by your father. And uh, the one thing the home movies do, uh, uh, let's say, uh, create is the myth of the family. That the family only seems to come together at times of celebration, such as birthdays or, uh, let's say, holidays, trips to Disney World. You don't see home movies where people are like in the hospital with grandma on her dying bed or at funerals or you know when when dad uh, came home on a bender 
And that's the other interesting part of home movies, how as much as real, I'll say, Hollywood movies or feature-length films, they do, in a certain sense, distort reality because of what you choose to film and what isn't captured. Well, we still get together for holidays and birthdays and everything. So maybe this was a way to entice us to continue with our celebrations because we saw that we were having yeah. a good time. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is vacation time. Do you want to take a look? I mean, just sure, take a look absolutely. Here. Yeah, yeah, um, this, is, this is the can. Oh, boy, it's, it's a heavy one, too. Well, there's, there's, quite, a a few, films. there's quite a few films in there. Oh, boy. And oh, and you got documentation of what they are, too. That's good. So, eight millimeter films with... Uh, it seems to be a number of you know small reels built up onto large reels. Now that's great. because my father did this on his own. Look at this. Oh wow! Yeah, he's got a little uh, a little viewer. You know, you would put the film on the left, take take up reel on the right, and you would wind through. And there's a little light that comes out, and a little splicer there. Which yeah. You could just do your quick and easy splices. Yeah. Put the film through, and you know you could see it without having to go through the trouble of. Projecting it, I know, feeding it to a projector and projecting it on a screen, that's perfect for editing. Yeah. We still, as you can see over on the shelf, we still use those ourselves. And when it comes to home movie day and setting up in the lobby and, and, and greeting and, and inspecting the films, we use the same equipment today that they were using in the, you know, the 30s, Look. 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Oh, and you even have the camera. I have too, the huh? camera. He had everything wow. in this camera. I'm telling you, decided to retire from the filmmaking part of it. Oh yeah. Oh wow. That's a nice Argus camera. You got a zoom lens and uh, uh, oh yeah, there you go. And uh, crank it. You can go at different speeds, which is always fun with. Uh, yeah, I have this picture in, in the uh, article, and I'm going to post the article on my website. Oh cool. Again, yeah. The entire article. Yeah, this is this is fun. Like for instance, you could make it look like a. Perky jerky old time, uh, you know, Charlie Chaplin movie or something that played at the wrong speed. Yeah, you could just film at different speeds. You could do slow motion, fast motion. This is a nice camera. I know, and he was telling me that you put the film in, mm -hmm. and you, then you shoot 25 feet, and then you have to open it and flip it flip over. It around. That's what regular eight millimeter because eight millimeter, regular eight millimeter is just 16 millimeter film, which, uh, like, you, you shoot it once, you turn it around in the camera, you shoot it again. Uh -huh. So not to be processed, they actually cut it in half. So that you get your um, full eight millimeter film. There you go. Super eight millimeter was a different format in that it um, it came in a cartridge. Oh yeah, like this Kodachrome 40. It comes in a cartridge. You load it. It means it's sort of dummy proof because most eight millimeter cameras, as you can see here, are very manual. You have to set your ASA and your f stops and and, and whatnot. Isn't that great though? Which is great. I mean, no, which is totally great, and which is actually what's lacking today with consumer video equipment. I mean, video equipment has gotten down to the lowest common denominator, unless you have like pro-consumer uh, cameras, and you have to spend more than, you know, let's say $1,200 to get a good camera. Most of them are essentially what Super 8 was, it's just a point-and-shoot type of format. Do you think I could still use this camera? You could still use this camera. There's still actually a few people making film for it. I mean, it's very, um, you know, much something that I would say is left to the realm of uh, artists today, I'd say, you know. Lots of people use Super 8. Super 8, in fact, has had a little bit of a resurgence because Kodak has been issuing new, uh, cutting down their 35 millimeter stocks, their negative 35 millimeter stocks, into Super 8 cameras. So it's actually really quite perfect for, you know, let's say, uh, cinematographers doing um, um, commercials or music videos. Um, and, you know, families aren't shooting so much in Super 8 today, but artists and the industry are using it.
you know, well, I'm going to I'm have to give it a try here oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. see uh, what, I, what I come up with. It runs. Yeah. You can hear that. I've got to wind it, but uh, it does run. That's so cool. He has everything in place, and he found the films because I was tearing up to his basement looking for the films, and uh, he comes up with this can saying, there it is. So, oh, wow. So it's keeping, it's nice and dry, so you oh, think yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. in pretty good shape. Otherwise, they kind of smell like vinegar. They can smell like vinegar. The best thing to do is to keep your films, I mean, this is a good can for it, is to keep them in cool and dry conditions. I mean, um, very often that's not a basement, but if you have, like, a finished basement that, you know, is air conditioned or whatnot, that's fine. Um, you know, low humidity. Low humidity. Low uh, temperature, low humidity. Um, you know, dehumidifier in the room where you keep films, not just films, but photos and other sort of keepsakes like that always helps. I mean, it's not just film. Anything will last longer if kept in cool and dry, you know, climates. And how many people do you expect that uh, you may get uh, this year for the fourth annual? Well, gee, I mean, every year we have more people. And last year, we weren't even able to screen all the films. It's a first-come, first-served basis. So, I mean, I expect that... And you're the only ones in this area that are doing home movies. In New days. York City, we're the only people I think doing in New it. Jersey also. I didn't see a listing Oh, in really? Jersey. Well, right. that's interesting. Oh, so hopefully we'll get people from, from you know, the tri-state area even. But um, I say that over the course of the day, we watch. I mean, it's ceaseless, I mean, the, the projection. So I'd say that maybe, you know... 100 plus people come out, you know, over the course of it. Recommending to, to handle the film, you would recommend using the gloves. I see all kinds of equipment here. Yeah, well, the way that we do it here is, you know, on a, on a slightly more uh, upgraded professional basis with equipment, which, you know, we have to invest in. But uh, for what I would say is that if you're interested in watching films, uh, we do have on the Home Movie Day website, which is homemovieday.com, recommendations of some places to go to to have good quality transfers made. And that it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, to just keep projecting your films over and over again unless you really enjoy that sort of communal experience of it. But to make a video copy uh, and to watch them on that format, but just to keep the films and don't throw them away. We used to watch them on uh, a regular basis, yeah, and, you yeah, know, with, the, with everybody with the big screen. Well, one of the things that, one of the reasons we don't recommend necessarily watching them all the time is that a lot of people don't know how to project. You have splices in your films because somebody edited them. The splices are 30, 40 years old. One of the faults of 8mm format is that since it's so small and, you know, you're putting tape across it, it never was a particularly stable projection medium. I mean, you find very often in home movies burned frames and, and, and broken frames and which That's is why for sure. We screen, we see like, yeah, yeah. like shut it. So unless you are, you know, know how to project, you burn a frame, that frame's not coming back. You know, you break the film, that film's forever broken. Uh, there aren't other copies of these floating around. You break your DVD, you know, you can make, when you get a DVD, make a few copies of it, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, you know, you can't make a few copies of film. Not anymore, at least. You used to be able to. But I think that's what I want to do with these films, is take it to a professional, and yeah. have it cleaned, have it checked. Absolutely. And, and have it transferred properly. Absolutely. And I mean, I, when you come to Home Media, we have a variety of handouts, of, you know, uh, some particular places we recommend who, who are archivally conscious with films aren't just slapping it onto a unit without cleaning it or inspecting it first, which I think what a lot of people do because, you know, you just literally I've seen delis that say we transfer home movies and, you know, it's just the worst place you could think of uh, to take it to. And we give lots of tips about how to inspect and handle and project um, for yourself.
And you never know what you're going to find on these things. So uh, Absolutely not. And really? we never know who's going to come. I mean, it helps us every year to understand more and more our expanded sense of what is a community. This is a community event, but, you know, it's hard to define, especially in New York City, who's a community, what's a community. I mean, you see everything from, uh, you know, Hispanic families. Uh, this guy last year who brought footage, he ran a button shop on St. Mark's in the late 60s during the Summer of Love in 1968. So it was just footage of hippies uh, strolling around on St. Mark's. And this is everybody, you know, we all, we're all neighbors. We all have different experiences. And you really get to live through them at Home Movie Day. Well. This is awesome. I know. He's very organized. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to say thanks very much for the tips here. I'm looking forward to... Uh, Home movie day. Good luck with everything. Thank you. And you know what? Um, I'll have to talk to you again about what's going on here at the archives. Yeah, please. You know, for the film thing. I, I took the little brochure because there's a lot of stuff that's happening here the rest of the, the month and then the upcoming months. Always a lot going on in anthology. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. And um, check out the website, homemovieday.com. Yep. And um, archives anthology. Anthologyfilmarchives.org. Org. Yep. Okay. And uh, I am going to have the article on uh, filmfestivalreviews.com, so check that out, too. Great. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay. Great stuff. If you have a cookie tin full of films, bring them in and let these guys take a look at them. And then sit back and watch your family films in a real theater. Sounds like a lot of fun. Another thing before I end the show for tonight, as I got into downtown New York, I noticed that there's a Brazilian film festival going on at the Tribeca Cinemas on Varick Street. The fourth annual BRAF sounds very brazenly Brazilian, if you ask me, is going on right now, this week from August 6th through Sunday, August 13th. Go see something this week. You never know what's going to make you smile. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>